Psalm 112. Praise ye the Lord. Blessed is the man that feareth the Lord, that delighteth greatly in his commandments. His seed shall be mighty upon the earth. The generation of the upright shall be blessed. Wealth and riches shall be in his house, and his righteousness endureth forever. Unto the upright there ariseth light in darkness. He is gracious and full of compassion and righteous. A good man showeth favor and lendeth. He will guide his affairs with discretion. Surely he shall not be moved forever. The righteous shall be in everlasting remembrance. He shall not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. His heart is established. He shall not be afraid until he see his desire upon his enemies. He hath dispersed, he hath given to the poor. His righteousness endureth forever. His horn shall be exalted with honor. The wicked shall see it and be grieved. He shall gnash with his teeth and melt away. The desire of the wicked shall perish. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. O Lord our God, we do ask for thy blessing upon the preaching of thy word. Come with great power through thy work, the work of thy spirit. And we ask that you would give us understanding and insight as we meditate upon thy word. For we ask this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Please be seated. One of the things that we have discovered as we have worked our way through the Psalter is that it's often difficult to understand how it's arranged because we think as Westerners that everything is logically follows. And yet there's no chronology, as we have said before, in this. And yet the wonderful way that the Spirit of God arranges these things is for His own purpose and glory. And as we come to this section of the Psalter in the final books, uh, book 5, we see Psalms 111 through 117. We saw this last time. The seven Hallelujah Psalms are placed here to provide that proper conclusion to this book. They're not really developed anywhere else in the Psalter, but at the end of the Psalter, we see the praise to the Lord as the great climax or the great conclusion. Now, as we look tonight at Psalm 112, we see that there's a connection with that first Hallelujah song, which is Psalm 111. So 111, 112 begin with that word in Hebrew, Hallelujah, which means praise the Lord. And then Psalm 113 begins and ends with hallelujah. And then in Psalm 114, there's no reference made to hallelujah. It's simply a, um, a psalm that reflects upon the mighty acts of God, particularly in the exodus of his people out of Egypt. And yet it's in the middle of these psalms, reminding us that it belongs to that collection of psalms, and it's declaring that God is to be praised because of his marvelous works, particularly in the deliverance of his people. And then as you come to Psalm 115 to 116, it ends with hallelujah. 
And then 117 begins and ends with hallelujah. And as we consider this psalm tonight, the God-fearing man, we discover here in Psalm 112 what it is to fear the living God. Psalm 111, as we saw last time, is a corporate praise of the Lord for his righteousness, praised for his works. His righteousness, there we find in Psalm 111, endures forever. Psalm 111, verse 3, his work is honorable and glorious, and his righteousness endureth forever. And we see that refrain again as we come to the end of Psalm 112, where he says, A good understanding have all they that do his commandments. His praise endureth forever. And we see the repetition of that in Psalm 112. Psalm 112, particularly verses 3 and 9, warrant the psalmist repeating of this phrase. Verse 3, his righteousness endureth forever. And then we see in verse 9, his righteousness endureth forever. As the Lord is gracious and compassionate to his people, so those who fear him indeed are gracious and compassionate. And so the psalmist oftentimes will use a lot of repetition, but in that phrase it's almost like that refrain of a of a hymn or a song or a poem. His righteousness endureth forever. His righteousness endureth forever. There in verse 6 it says he shall not be moved forever. The righteous shall be in everlasting remembrance. And so the psalmist here reminds us, as Psalm 111 and 112 have a connection together, that we are to give praise to the Lord our God. Why? Because His righteousness endureth forever. His righteousness doesn't last for a season, but His righteousness endureth forever. And so that is the constant refrain of the believer. That God's righteousness endureth forever. And so here as we come to Psalm 112, we see the psalmist making a main point there in verse 1, and then he builds upon that main point in verses 2 through 9, and then he concludes with a contrast between the righteous and the wicked. So here I draw your attention to this first point. Praise ye the Lord. Blessed is that man that feareth the Lord and delighteth greatly in his commands. So the psalmist begins, and again, the, the setting is the corporate people of God as they come before the living God and give praise to Jehovah, the name of the Lord in the Old Testament, particularly in the Psalter. And he says he is to be praised because the man that fears him is blessed. We hear a lot about the fear of the Lord. And there's a number of wonderful passages in the Old Testament that remind us of the fear of the Lord. Job chapter 28, verse 28. Behold, the fear of the Lord is wisdom, 
and to turn from evil is understanding. Proverbs chapter 1 verse 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The fools despise wisdom and instruction. Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 7, be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. And so as you see the contrast there in verse 1 to fearing the Lord, and then in verse 7, that the one who is blessed is not afraid of evil tidings. His heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. It is so easy for us to fall in this snare of trusting in men. John Bunyan says that the fear of man is the fear of losing his favor, the fear of losing his love, the favor of losing his goodwill, his help, and his friendship. John Bunyan says that the fear of man is an idol of approval. How often it is for us to fall into that trap of fearing men. Perhaps we, we want to fear men because we, we want something from them. There, there's a sense of control. There's a, there's a sense of manipulation in that. But John Bunyan calls it, calls it an idol to seek the approval of men. And so as we think of the approval of men, as we think of the approval of their friendships, indeed it is something of which the psalmist is very aware of that can be a snare. Dr. Steve Lawson says, As you grow in the fear of the Lord, you will decrease in your fear of man. The greater fear displaces the lesser fear. To grow in fear is more than to desire him. And so when we think about the fear of man, which the psalmist says, or the proverb says, is a snare. To fall into to the fear of man is a snare. Proverbs 29, 25. The fear of man bringeth a snare. But whosoever puts his trust in the Lord will be safe. And so fearing the Lord is a safe place. Fearing man is not a safe place. And here the psalmist tells us that the man that fears the Lord is blessed. Oh, how often we seek for the approval of men. How often we seek for favor and affection from others. And yet for the believer, he finds that his affection and his heart is firmly fixed on the living God. And so here in this main point, we see that the man that fears the Lord indeed is blessed. And so there's a call for us to consider what it is to fear the Lord. The psalmist here that the, says that the man that is blessed is the man that possesses those benefits and blessings that come from God. We sang this morning Psalm 1, which is the beginning of the Psalter. And isn't it interesting that the Psalter begins with Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who what? Walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor sitteth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, 
But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And so there the Psalter begins by stating that the man is blessed who walks in the counsel of the Lord, who delights in his law, but not only delights in it, but what? Meditates upon it day and night. So here the the psalmist wants us to, to meditate upon God's word. The psalmist wants us to meditate upon these things that he brings to mind. The man that fears the Lord is that man who will greatly delight in his commandments. We heard earlier about bringing our delights to the Lord in prayer. Do you know the man that trusts in the Lord, the man that fears the Lord, will never bring to the Lord his own delights, his own desires, his own will. He will bring those things that delight his soul because he has found favor with God. And so we, when we are in a right relationship to the Lord, we come with our desires which are in accordance with his will. He's... Too often we we come with our own desires, we come with our own wants, and yet the one who fears the Lord delights greatly in his commandments. And so here, I think the the thought of, of Psalm 112 is for us to take time to ponder that, to meditate upon that, to think about what it is to fear the Lord and to receive those blessings and benefits that come from the Lord. So what do we fear? Do we fear the applause of men? Do we fear um, the loss of health? Do we fear um, what the future may bring for us? Do we, we fear what governments and, and magistrates may do? For if that is what we fear, then we will be a people who will always be in a snare but for the one who delights in the Lord, the one who finds his commandments, not a burden, but a delight to his soul, he will find that the Lord will bring him protection and safety in every area of his life. Notice there in verse 7, that the one who is blessed shall what? He shall not be afraid of evil tidings. Many times in life there are things that we hear or there's news or tidings that are given to us that cause us really to be shaken. And yet for the one who trusts in the Lord, he is never shaken. We should not be shaken in life when we hear evil tidings. We should not be shaken when we hear of things that that might cause a great calamity to others we trust in the lord and notice this the psalmist says there in verse 7 that he is not afraid of those evil evil tidings because his heart is what fixed trusting in the lord that that phrase his heart is fixed means his heart is firm it's steadfast it's not like that double-minded man it's kind of over here and kind of over over there. He's, he's all over the place. No, this man is fixed. He is in one position. He never moves from that position. 
And because he never moves from that position, he is in a position of safety because he trusts in the Lord. And so what a blessing that is for us to know that when those evil tidings, when that evil tiding comes to us, our heart is not shaken. That bad news does not affect our lives for our safety and our security is found in the living God. And so here as he brings out this first point of of the blessed man, the one possessing those benefits that come from the Lord his God, he he builds upon that truth there in verses 2 through 9. What are the benefits of that man that is blessed? Now here... And you don't see this, and um, we, we can have those discussions, but I think it's important to see that we come to the psalm. In most every instance, the psalmist is talking about the relationship that we have with the Lord Jesus Christ. And some would say, well, there's no mention of Christ in Psalm 112. And yet the name Jehovah is used. Um, the name of or the name of Jehovah is used, but we find here that those who delight in his commandments are what? Those who have found their refuge and their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. If a man is not trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ, he cannot keep his commandments. And so here we find that the blessings and benefits of those who are blessed come from the Lord Jesus Christ. He says there his seed shall be mighty upon the earth. This is one of those blessings that are ours because of that covenant we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. Here the psalmist reminds us that the Lord promises to do good things for those who are godly, for his offspring here. Now, the the seed of which he's talking about that will be mighty upon the earth, that generation is not speaking of some physical seed. It's not speaking of that physical generation because you can go back to the life of Abraham and you can see the sign of the covenant placed upon all of his children, even upon Esau, even upon Ishmael. That sign was placed and yet God had no covenant of grace with Ishmael or with Esau. Paul says that Jacob I have loved, Esau I have what? Hated. And so here the reference to his seed being mighty upon the earth, speaking of that physical, that spiritual generation, that seed that we see there in Genesis 3.15, that the seed of the woman shall what? Crush the head of the serpent. And so it says that the generation of what? The upright shall be blessed. In every generation, God has preserved a seed. In this generation, God has preserved a seed. And it is that generation that God has preserved a seed who are the upright, those who will be blessed, those who will receive the benefits and the blessings of being in covenant with the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Oh, we need to think more biblically. We need to think more theologically. That even in our generation, when we curse the darkness, God has preserved a generation of the upright. And the psalmist says, that generation shall be mighty. Oh, what mighty things the Lord does through his people. Jesus tells his apostles before he leaves them, he says, greater works then these shall you do, because I go to my Father. And and the Lord has provided that His people, that His seed will be mighty upon the earth, that His seed will do great and glorious things. And notice He preserves His seed where? Upon the earth. Jesus says the meek shall inherit the earth. The Scriptures speak of God's people as possessing the earth. Wonderful reminder to us that even in a fallen generation, even in an age where we find so many young people who have fallen into great sin, the Lord God has preserved a generation of the upright and they shall do mighty works. They indeed shall do glorious things. Because they have been granted the favor and the blessing of God. They have been given mighty benefits from the Lord, their God. It's interesting when you think of of, um, verse 2 there. And you go back to Genesis chapter 1, verse 28. What does Genesis 1, 28 say? Genesis 1, 28 is that wonderful promise. It's that dominion mandate. God blessed them. God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply. Replenish the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. God has created a generation to have dominion upon the earth. We're not talking about some dominion theology that that some hold to that, that is an erroneous view, but it simply tells us that God has raised up a seed. He's raised up a generation who will take dominion over the earth. That is the mighty seed. That is the mighty race of whom the psalmist says will be blessed. They will do great and mighty things. And so here we find the great benefit of having a seed preserved forever. We find there in verse 3 that wealth and riches shall be where? In the blessed man's house. We're not talking about wealth and prosperity as some erroneously teach. But really we're talking about the fact that God will provide all that His people need. That He will give them far more than than money and houses and land, but he will provide even for their daily bread. The psalmist says, I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his children begging for bread. And there it speaks of the wealth that God provides because the nations of the earth come into the blessings of his house. Because the Lord preserves that mighty seed upon the earth, he provides for their safety, he provides for their protection and welfare. 
And there he mentions that the upright will indeed rise up in the darkness. And it says that God is gracious, full of compassion, and righteous. Notice, and we, we saw that earlier when we, we saw the, the fact that Psalm 111 states that the Lord is gracious and righteous. Well, here it shows that the good man showeth favor and lendeth. So we see the contrast between the Lord our God, who indeed is good, who gives favor unto his people, and one of the benefits that we have as the people of God is that we, too, are called to show kindness and favor, that we are called to disperse to the needs of others. Verse 9, he hath dispersed, he hath given to the poor, his righteousness endureth forever. That word there in verse 4, that God is gracious and full of compassion, is the same word that speaks of the attributes of God, and yet it speaks that the righteous man who is created in the image of God and particularly recreated in the image of Christ is called to show favor. He is called to show grace and mercy. He is called to show compassion. We must remember that as the people of God, we are called to show compassion and mercy to others. We've had those occasions when we've shown mercy and compassion to others. No one can accuse us as believers of not having compassion and mercy because that is an attribute that God possesses in totality. And it is something that he gives unto his people. And so we want to see there the blessing that we are even in guiding our affairs with discretion. Oh, we live in an age when there is so little discretion. We need to be so careful. And young people, I think this is a warning here, that you must be careful in all of your affairs. You must be discreet in everything. In other words, you must, walk, you must be careful what you see, what you do, where you go. Because the evil one always sets out his traps, his devices to trip us, to cause us to fail. And yet the man who indeed is blessed, who fears the Lord, he will order his affairs rightly according to God's word. We've seen there in Verse 7, that he will not be afraid of the evil tidings, that the, the Lord God gives us peace, even in the midst of the darkness, even in the difficult times. His heart shall be afraid, not be afraid, verse 8, until he sees his desire upon his enemies. Here, verse 8, um, perhaps is difficult for us to understand because there are still those who maintain, and some of this I have a little difficulty with, there's some that want to always call down those imprecatory uh, curses upon people, upon their enemies. And yet, here, perhaps it speaks of the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. But if one's heart is fixed on the Lord his God, he will not be afraid. That even when his enemies come against him, there is a day reserved 
when all of our enemies will be judged. And so we are to, we will see even the desire of our enemies. We will see the fulfillment of Psalm 110 that the Lord Jesus Christ shall reign until all of his enemies are put under his feet. And so we find that we do not fear until we see his desire, that is the Lord Jesus Christ, upon his enemies. And so we want to to find here the, the blessing of having that firm standing in the Lord Jesus Christ, having that firm standing that not even death is something that we need fear. Think of a story that is told of Bishop Butler. He was an Anglican bishop in the 1700s. And uh, he was a bishop all of his life, had no relationship to Jesus Christ. He was lying on a sickbed. He calls for the chaplain, and the chaplain comes and uh, begins to speak to him and, and uh, tells him, you know, that he is facing death, and he, he's afraid. He fears death. He says, I, I don't think that I, I've known the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says, well, you've heard of him. You've, you've preached his name. And he says, yes, but I don't think I've ever had that relationship to him. And he says, I fear death. So as the chaplain begins to minister unto him and gives him the hope of the gospel, his fear dispels and goes away and he faces death without fear. And that's what we have the benefit of facing death without fear. And even when we find our enemies raging against us, we will not be afeared. We will not fear because the Lord Jesus Christ will bring his judgment upon them. And then he comes here in verse 9. It says, He hath dispersed, he's given to the poor. And we see that refrain, His righteousness endureth forever. It's interesting there that he uh, concludes um, verse 3 and verse 9 with that refrain, His righteousness endureth forever. Speaking of wealth, speaking of sharing with those who are in need. And there it reminds us that the Lord graciously has given us all good gifts. He has given to us, as Paul says in 2 Corinthians 9, 9, so that we might freely give to others. That is really the work of the kingdom, particularly in our tithes and offerings. And in the giving of our tithes and offerings, we disperse those that they might be given for to the poor, that they might be given for the service of God's church, of His kingdom. And then as he speaks of His horn shall be exalted with honor, it's that symbolism of power, that His horn will be lifted up, that the Lord His God will grant His blessing, mercy unto his people. I mentioned earlier that we don't see Christ in this psalm. We see the name of Jehovah. That's what the word Lord there means in the Hebrew, Jehovah. But here's a beautiful picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's a beautiful picture of Christ in all of his fullness. Christ in his humanity. The Son of God 
who delights in His commandments. We sang that this morning there in Psalm 40 in verse 8, that He delights in His commandments. We find that the Lord Jesus Christ is gracious and compassionate. We find that He gives unto the poor the blessings of His riches. Therefore, we find that the Lord Jesus Christ indeed is the most blessed of all men, and yet He's been exalted to the right hand of the Father. And here's the wonderful promise to us as those who fear the Lord, that the blessings that come from the Lord Jesus Christ freely flow in our lives. The blessings that the Lord has given to us as a family flows into our lives, and we become springs of living water and those living wa- that living water flows out of us. Draw your attention to Psalm 53.10, or Isaiah 53.10. There in Isaiah 53.10, that familiar passage that we often hear at the table of the Lord. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief, and when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin... He shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. And so here we find the the blessing to God's people because of the wonderful work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then the psalmist closes here in verse 10 with this contrast. between the righteous and the wicked. You see that in Psalm 1. But here he says, the, the wicked shall see it and be grieved. They shall gnash their teeth and shall melt away, but the desire of the wicked shall perish. Here it describes that the wicked in all of their schemes, shall be grieved, they shall melt away, and never be remembered no more. Even though the wicked rage, though the wicked rage in every age against the church, they shall perish under the wrath of a holy God. We find there in Psalm 2, And verse 12, Psalm 2. Why do the nations rage? Why do the people imagine a vain thing? Kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against His anointed. And there, as the psalmist describes here, and then he goes on in verse 12 and says, Kiss the Son. Lest he be angry, and ye perish from the way when his wrath is kindled but a little. Blessed are whom? All they that put their trust in him. And so as we we find this expression, kissing the son, it's it's an expression of giving um, our submission and our honor unto the Lord Jesus Christ, who indeed is our king. He is 
the Son of God. He is the Savior of sinners. And if we kiss Him, His anger will be turned away. But the wicked, they will be grieved. The wicked shall gnash their teeth in anger against God. And the desire, the desire of the wicked shall perish. What is the desire of the wicked? The desire of the wicked is to see the end of the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. The desire of the wicked is to see his commandments forgotten, his commandments taken out of our society, and no no recollection whatsoever of God. That's why we see this concerted effort in our world to remove any mention of God. Yet that's the desire of the wicked. That God will never be remembered, that his law would not be known. And so here is the end of the wicked. But the righteous shall flourish, as Psalm 1 tells us. The righteous shall be preserved. They will be that mighty seed upon the earth. And they indeed are blessed. Oh, friends of God, we have so much to be grateful for. We have so many blessings that have been provided for us in Christ. Now we have that duty of of meditating upon God's law, of meditating upon these things and considering that we are called to place our trust and our confidence in Him. And so as we think about this theme of fearing the Lord our God. Let us remember that those who fear the Lord are those who have been blessed and have received blessing, riches and honor and glory from the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, what a gracious Savior He is. What a merciful and kind Savior He is that He has condescended to us in our lowest state and that He has drawn us in relationship to him. And so let us give praise unto our God. Let us with the psalmist say, Praise ye the Lord. Hallelujah. With the psalmist, let us declare our worship and our praise unto this God who has given us all of the blessings and benefits that are ours in him. Let us pray. O merciful and gracious God, we do give Thee thanks for Thy kindness and mercy toward us. We thank You, Lord Jesus Christ, for Your wonderful and amazing grace. That grace that transforms us, that grace that enables us to fear Thy name. And O Lord God, we pray that as Thy people we would continue to fear Thee, that we would continue to increase in the fear of the Lord our God. And may we meditate upon this psalm and consider its truth so that we might indeed find ourselves as blessed people, that we might be enriched and strengthened as we are the upright, the mighty in the earth. O Lord, give us power and strength in our day to be mighty men and women, to be kings and princes and rulers so that we might declare thy glory unto every generation. 
And we ask that you would bless this word to the benefit of our souls, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Let us conclude as we sing Psalm 